Welcome to Misty 101 podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode of our podcast. Even if Russia captures Kyiv and Kharkiv, Putin has already been defeated after starting unwinnable war. Russian tanks and artillery are deploying to attack Kyiv and Kharkiv, but, even if they succeed in capturing the cities, this will not alter the fact that Russia has already been defeated in the war in Ukraine. President Vladimir Putin started a war he could never win against 44 million Ukrainians supported by the US and Europe in the crazed expectation that his military campaign would be a walkover. By doing so, he united the rest of Europe against Russia, forcing Germany, France and Italy to line up with the more hardline US and Britain to a degree not seen even at the height of the Cold War against the Soviet Union. But the nature and timing of the Russian defeat remains of crucial importance because Russia remains a nuclear weapons superpower, technically able to kill a large part of the planet's population. If the war in Ukraine continues for a long time, it is all too easy to see how the Russian war in Ukraine could escalate into a conventional conflict against NATO and then tip into a nuclear exchange. The very weakness of Moscow on display over the past week makes it more likely that it would consider the nuclear option as the only high-value card it has left when confronting superior NATO forces. In addition, Putin's paranoid misjudgments suggest that his decisions on deploying nuclear weapons may be equally irrational. Nuclear war may still be a distant prospect but it is closer than it was a week ago. This makes a diplomatic exit from the Ukraine crisis particularly attractive over letting it escalate further, even if the final outcome is not in doubt. China Russia's last important ally, though an increasingly distant one says, after discussions with Ukraine, that it is willing to help broker a ceasefire. It abstained rather than vetoed the UN Security Council resolution condemning the invasion and expressed extreme concern about the harm to civilians. China seems to have been caught by surprise by the invasion itself, ridiculing Western warnings and failing to evacuate Chinese citizens. There will be an element of self-protection in the Chinese stance. They will not want to be tainted by the consequences of Putin's unforced error or become a target for sanctions. Russia and Ukraine have had one round of negotiations and both said they were willing to attend another on Wednesday. President Volodymyr Zelensky says that the bombing will have to stop before there are negotiations but the likelihood is escalation not de-escalation. Not only is the bombing not stopping, it is becoming more intense. Russia appears to be planning traditional military assaults on Kyiv and Kharkiv, using tanks and infantry supported by firepower from artillery and air strikes. The Russians will probably tell civilians to leave before they attack or be treated as combatants. If this does happen, it could spark a mass exodus which will save lives, but at the same time cripple Ukrainian cities as political, administrative commercial and informational hubs. This was the pattern in sieges in Syria, Iraq, Lebanon and Gaza over the past 40 years, regardless of the nationality of the besieging army. 
Russia will inevitably pay a heavy price for this brutal style of warfare because every civilian killed or injured in a bombardment will be pictured on a mobile phone camera and the atrocity broadcast to the world. This will further reinforce Russia's pariah status and make negotiations more difficult. Even if the main Ukrainian cities do fall, then resistance will continue in the rest of the country, and it is unlikely that the Russian army has the numbers to suppress it. A problem in agreeing any ceasefire is that Putin's invasion plan only made sense if Russian troops were welcomed by the Ukrainian population with open arms. Predictably, this did not happen but Putin made maximalist demands amounting to the unconditional surrender of the Ukraine government, denounced by Putin as neo-Nazis, and for the Ukrainian army to hand over their weapons. Lesser demands might have included a Ukraine promise not to join NATO and to recognize the annexation of Crimea. This makes it difficult for Putin to simply withdraw without achieving any of his objectives in Ukraine and having paid a heavy price in sanctions, which will strangle the Russian economy for years to come. A key reason for Putin's rise to power was that he appeared to guarantee that the Russian financial crisis of August 1998 would not be repeated, yet almost a quarter of a century later, he has ensured just that. It will have occurred to many Russians privately that any peace deal that ends this war would be less damaging to Russia if Putin no longer held power in the Kremlin. But getting rid of him after 22 years is another matter. Saddam Hussein clung on as Iraqi leader for 13 years after his calamitous invasion of Kuwait in 1990, which is the episode in modern history that most resembles Putin's decision to invade Ukraine. Belarus says it refuses to join Putin as Ukraine blasts back your on our land. Writing on Twitter, the Ukrainian parliament, the Verkhovna Rada, said, Belarusian troops have entered Chernihiv region. The information was confirmed to the public by Vitaly Kirilov, spokesman for the North Territorial Defense Forces. More details later. Local media reported that a column of 33 Belarusian units entered the Chernihiv region, north of Kyiv, with mobile communications reportedly being cut. But earlier today Belarusian leader Alexander Lukashenko claimed he had no plans to join Russia's military operation in Ukraine, according to Belarusian state news agency Belta. Mr. Lukashenko also denied allegations that Russian troops attacked Ukraine from Belarusian territory. This marked a major change in stance, as Belarus has previously said it would step in to support Russia if needed. Mr. Lukashenko had reportedly told the Belarusian military, Putin, gave me a detailed introduction to the situation and most importantly, to the development of the situation. He added troops would not be involved in the invasion but could be called upon if necessary. The country also formally renounced its non-nuclear and neutral status following a referendum on Sunday, allowing Russia to place nuclear weapons on its territory. Earlier this week, a U.S. defense official told The Guardian that Belarus may have been preparing to send soldiers into Ukraine in support of Russia. Meanwhile, Images also emerged of trains loaded with tanks arriving in Brest, 
a city in southwest Belarus. There have also been reports of missile and aircraft launches to Ukraine from inside Belarus. But the U-turn from Belarus comes as Putin's war effort appears to be struggling. So far, Russian troops have failed to capture Kyiv, the Ukrainian capital. They have also failed to establish air superiority with Ukrainian drones and fighter jets still flying. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky previously condemned Belarus for its alleged attacks. He said, you aren't on the same side with us in the war that is going on now. The Russian military is launching missiles at Ukraine from your territory. From your territory, they are killing our children, they are destroying our homes and trying to blow up everything that has been built for decades. Russian and Belarusian athletes out of Paralympics in stunning U-turn. Russian and Belarusian athletes have now been banned from the Winter Paralympic Games because of the Ukraine invasion, a reversal of a decision just a day before. The International Paralympic Committee made the announcement on Thursday in Beijing. On Wednesday the committee announced it would allow Russian and Belarusian athletes to compete at the Games, which open on Friday, but only as neutral athletes with colors, flags and other national symbols removed. The decision drew immediate criticism. Secretary of State for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport, Nadine Dorries, said the IPC had made the wrong decision and called on them to urgently reconsider, while the British Paralympic Association said it was disappointed. Explosion hits Ukrainian airfield sending mushroom cloud into the sky. The blast struck an airfield in Chubv near the country's second-largest city of Kharkiv, where a weapons depot is believed to be held. The force from the shockwave caused those filming in a nearby apartment block to jump back. Witnesses suggested the airfield was bombed from the air after seeing planes nearby at the time of the attack. The devastating attack comes amid fears Vladimir Putin is launching vacuum and cluster bombs which would constitute a war crime if used on a civilian population. Oksana Markerova, Ukraine's ambassador to the United States, has accused Russia of using the deadly weapons but this has not been confirmed. Vacuum bombs, also known as thermobaric weapons, are among the most powerful non-nuclear weapons ever developed, and are banned under the Geneva Conventions. The high-powered explosive weapons which use the atmosphere itself as part of the explosion, are capable of vaporizing bodies, crushing internal organs and reducing cities to rubble, causing a huge loss of life. It comes as Kherson, an important port city in Ukraine's south, appeared to be an early casualty today as Russian tanks occupied the city center overnight and then began arriving in numbers. Kharkiv also came under more heavy bombardment in the early hours as paratroopers dropped in, sparking gunfights near a military hospital. Mirapol, another key port city in Ukraine's south, is also reported to be under heavy bombardment as Russian forces attempt to encircle it. If the city falls then Putin's men are expected to push northwards trying to encircle Ukrainian forces fighting near Donetsk and force them to surrender.
Volodymyr Zelensky says Russia is trying to erase Ukraine with renewed attacks on all fronts including an expected assault on the city which houses Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Ukrainian troops are preparing barricades to defend the city of Zaporizhia, including setting up defenses around the reactors of Enogodar power plant. Anton Jashkenko, adviser to Ukraine's interior ministry, called on generals to bypass the city while warning they could create a new Chernobyl if the plant is damaged. Meanwhile Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, warned that, if a third world war were to begin in Europe, it would be nuclear and destructive in a thinly veiled threat for NATO not to get involved in Ukraine. Thermobaric weapons were developed by both the US and the Soviet Union in the 1960s. In September, 2007, Russia detonated the largest thermobaric weapon ever made, which created an explosion equivalent to 39.9 tons. The US version of the weapon reportedly costs more than $16 million each. A vacuum bomb, or thermobaric weapon, sucks in oxygen from the surrounding air to generate a high-temperature explosion, typically producing a blast wave of a significantly longer duration than that of a conventional explosive and is capable of vaporizing human bodies. The bomb works by using oxygen from the surrounding air to generate a high-temperature explosion, making it far deadlier than a conventional weapon. Thermobaric explosives apply the principles underlying accidental unconfined vapor cloud explosions, just like those that plagued British flour mills in the 19th century. The weaponry initially releases an aerosol consisting of very fine particles, such as metal, flammable dusts or chemical droplets. According to the Journal of Military and Veterans Health, this cloud flows around objects and into cavities and structures, and may penetrate small openings, such as openings in buildings, bunkers and engine bays of armored vehicles. An ignition source then ignites the cloud of particles and their rapid combustion causes and explosion and a vacuum in the surrounding vicinity. According to reports, Russia is already using a thermobaric rocket system called TOS-1 Buratino also referred to as a flamethrower. Putin facing shell shock as US moves to choke Russia with major retaliation. The US and the UK have both announced devastating sanctions on Russia in response to the invasion of Ukraine. The US have targeted nearly 80% of all banking assets in Russia, while the UK has frozen the assets of all major Russian banks. Patrick Reed currency specialist at business consultancy The Adamus Principle, discussed the effectiveness of sanctions with Express.co.uk, and detailed the huge damage the West has inflicted on Russia with their latest move. Mr. Reid told Express.co.uk of the devastating power of halting the use of the US dollar and UK pound. He explained, every single bank in the world has a set amount of dollars that they need to have as a backup entity in case of a war. Banks need dollars like oxygen. You need dollars to trade, to make agreements with banks. Without those dollars, you can't breathe basically. So you die. Every single bank needs it. 
That's why the dollar, across the board, is rocketing sky high. He said pursuing this strategy could prove hugely damaging for Russia. Mr. Reed said, it will choke off a lot of the liquidity in Russian banks, because every single bank in the world needs US dollars. Losing the reserves will be a huge blow. He added that, while supplying soldiers would be the best way to help Ukraine, it's highly unlikely the West would pursue this route. Mr. Reed said, the key thing is troops on the ground, but that's never going to happen. That's when you lose your popularity as a country. People would be protesting on the streets. But if it's something like economic sanctions, then it's an easy win. However, speaking to CNN, Matthew Schmidt, director of the International Affairs Program at the University of New Haven, argued sanctions are not a sufficient response to stop Putin. Mr. Schmidt said, Diplomatic marginalization and financial sanctions are both on the table, but neither seems to have lured Putin back from the brink of conflict. Potential military costs, in the form of Russian losses on the battlefield, remain as the only viable disincentive that could stop the invasion. The EU has faced criticism for failing to respond in kind after the UK and the US. While the EU's sanctions include 70% of the Russian banking market, it has yet to cover euro clearing. Anton Spysak, senior fellow at Tony Blair Institute, noted the discrepancy between the UK and US sanctions and the blocks on Twitter. He said, the US and UK have now cut off Russian banks from dollar and sterling clearing. But the EU and its regulators haven't yet reciprocated with euro clearing. The lack of coordination among the Western governments on what should be uncontroversial measures is shocking. Tom McTagg, writer at The Atlantic, added, What is the EU playing at? World War III would be nuclear and destructive, warns Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has issued a threat over the potential of a third world war saying that if it breaks out it will be nuclear and destructive. Russian state-run news agency TASS reported Mr. Lavrov's comments following an interview with Al Jazeera in which he said, World War III will be a devastating nuclear war. His comments come after he claimed Kyiv was seeking to obtain nuclear weapons. Mr. Lavrov told a Geneva disarmament meeting on Tuesday, Ukraine still has Soviet technologies and the means of delivery of such weapons. We cannot fail to respond to this real danger. His comments were ignored by diplomats from around the world who walked out in protest as Mr. Lavrov began to speak at the conference. Diplomats from countries including Britain. United States and France were pictured filing out of the room when his pre-recorded video message to the UN Human Rights Council began to play. Putin Nightmare, Ukrainian Army Captures Russian TOS-1 A Thermobaric Rocket Launcher Ukrainian armed forces have reportedly captured a Russian rocket launcher as Kremlin forces continue to meet heavy resistance in the attack on Ukraine. The Russian TOS-1 a thermobaric rocket launcher was reportedly captured by the Ukrainian army on Tuesday afternoon. 
An image posted on Twitter showed the heavy military weapon in an unspecified location. The rocket launcher, which Russia categorizes as a heavy flamethrower, has an infamous reputation because of the thermobaric rockets it fires. Thermobaric weapons suck oxygen from the surrounding air to create a high-temperature explosion. The blasts can last significantly longer than a conventional explosive and are capable of vaporizing human bodies. They are some of the most powerful non-nuclear weapons in existence and are banned under the Geneva Conventions. Mounted on a T-72 tank chassis, the TOS-1A is one of many different types of heavy artillery spotted entering Ukraine from Russia since the invasion began last Thursday. There have been claims on social media that the TOS-1A has been used in the latest artillery strikes by Russia, including the barrage on the town of Vasilkiv, around 20 miles south of Kyiv. Some observers speculated that a huge explosion at Vasilkiv Air Base could have been evidence a TOS-1A was used. The Ukrainian ambassador to the US has said that a vacuum bomb, another term for thermobaric weapons, had already been used during the invasion, although reports have yet to be independently confirmed. Oksana Markerova accused Putin of using a vacuum bomb on Monday. Addressing reporters on Monday night after a meeting with U.S. lawmakers at the White House, Ms. Markerova said, they used the vacuum bomb today, which is actually prohibited by the Geneva Convention. There has been speculation that Russia may be planning to use the weapon in its increasingly brutal attack on Kharkiv which has been subjected to heavy bombardment by Russia in recent days. Footage from Ukraine showed TOS-1 launchers crossing the country's border with Belarus as early as 24 February when Russia launched its invasion. More launchers were spotted approaching the country on Saturday 26 February along with other heavy artillery, moving south from Russia's Belgorod region. On the same day, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio tweeted, Russia has now deployed TOS-1 launchers to the outskirts of heavily populated areas. Thermobaric weapons, also known as vacuum bombs, are capable of causing extensive damage to infrastructure and loss of life, reducing cities to rubble and vaporizing bodies. They work by sucking in surrounding oxygen to generate a high-temperature explosion, producing a shock wave that is significantly longer-lasting than conventional explosives. Thermobaric weapons are far deadlier than conventional weapons. A country using them to target civilian populations in residential areas, schools or hospitals could be convicted of a war crime. Both Russia and Western forces have used thermobaric bombs since they were developed in the 1960s. A vacuum bomb dropped by the US on Afghanistan in 2017 left a crater more than 300 meters, 1000 feet, wide after it exploded 6 feet above the ground. Russia reportedly used thermobaric weapons during its was in Chechnya in 1999 and 2000. The move was condemned by Human Rights Watch as a dangerous escalation with important humanitarian implications. Russian-made thermobaric weapons were also reportedly used in the Syrian war by the Bashar al-Assad regime. 
Piers Morgan not as optimistic as others over Russia-Ukraine conflict as he issues warning. Piers Morgan isn't one to keep his opinions under wraps, and he has now shared his grim thoughts on the latest regarding Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In a series of trending tweets, the former Good Morning Britain host and newspaper editor, 55, admitted that he doesn't feel as positive as some do. He also became emotional over pictures of children who have been impacted by the war, which is thought to have seen the deaths of more than 2,000 civilians, according to Ukraine's emergency services. Piers tweeted, seeing much optimism on here about how badly the war's going for Putin, how the Russians are quitting in droves and don't want to fight in the face of heroic Ukrainian resistance etc. Sadly, I fear this is deluded wishful thinking and cold, hard, hideous reality is about to set in. In another, he expressed his emotion at a photograph of a young child affected by the bombardment, and unable to access medication for cancer treatment. In the tweet, he simply said, my God. In response, one confused social media user wrote, I'm Canadian so forgive me but isn't Spencer your son? LOL. Are you Twitter beefing your son? In a jokey reply, Piers said, he is. We Morgans enjoy a bit of Twitter beef, even with each other. He added, fortunately we have brains so can disagree without falling out a lot of people on here should try it. Since Putin launched Russia's military attack on Ukraine last week, thousands of citizens have been displaced from their homes, with the country's capital Kyiv being among the most badly hit areas with constant bombardment. It is thought that negotiations will take place between Russian delegation and Ukraine on Wednesday evening in an attempt to bring the conflict to a close, but it is unclear whether any delegates from Ukraine will attend. He also highlighted an image of children sleeping rough in Ukraine, and fumed, Ukrainian children sleeping in a bomb shelter, as Putin prepares to bombard them. How can doing nothing to stop him be the correct moral decision? In another series of tweets, he expanded upon his argument, calling President Vladimir Putin Hitler. I think if the world lets Putin get away with this, he won't stop. He's the new Hitler yet all I keep hearing is we can't stand up to him because he might do bad things to us. Imagine if we'd had that attitude in 1938 forward slash 9, he fumed. In another, he continued, we deserted the Syrian people to Assad and his chemical weapons. We deserted the Afghan people to the Taliban wolves. Now we've deserted the Ukrainian people to Putin's thugs. I'll say this about our modern Western leaders when it comes to tyrannical regimes, they're consistent. Piers has been vocal about the ongoing conflict over the past week, previously suggesting that Russia's invasion of Ukraine would not have happened if Donald Trump had still been president. The presenter also got into a public Twitter spat with his son Spencer over the war. The journalist who will soon be launching his new program on Talk TV, made it clear he didn't agree with his sports journalist son's opinions on the crisis. 
On Tuesday, Spencer tweeted, If you aren't personally prepared to fight I don't think you can call for direct action that will most likely lead to World War III. Stating his disagreement, the ever-opinionated peers retorted, Strange mindset for a journalist, so only serving military can comment on whether military action is justified forward slash necessary when a dictator illegally invades a democratic country. Ukrainian farmers set fire to 12 million pounds Russian missile system in field. The villagers who captured the vehicle said enemy soldiers were forced to flee like rats. They filmed the video near the city of Bashtankar in the southern Ukrainian region of Mykolaiv Oblast on March 1. Vladimir Putin's forces have been met with fiercer resistance from civilians than they expected and are thought to be way behind schedule. Russian troops are reportedly running out of essential supplies such as food and fuel as their leaders' hopes of a quick victory evaporate. Boris Filatov, 49, mayor of the city of Dnipro, shared images of the burning Pantsersi missile system on social media, claiming that farmers seized and destroyed the vehicle. He added, I usually cannot stand victorious scene, saber-rattling and hat-throwing. War is terrible grief, but these people, farmers, cannot be defeated. Today, collective farmers from Bashtankar, without realizing it, took and burned the latest Pantsersi system worth 15 million US dollars. The proud mayor added, the winning people, Russians, ran across the Ukrainian fields like rats. Good night my country. The Pantsir missile system is a group of medium-range missile and anti-aircraft systems produced by KBP Instrument Design Bureau in Tula, Russia. The surface-to-air missile system was designed to offer defense against fighter planes, helicopters, UAVs, and precision missiles as well as provide protection to units under air attack. One Facebook follower commented, Guys, all of Ukraine is proud of you. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has entered its seventh day, with the attacks beginning on 24 February. Since then, Ukraine has suffered widespread damages and loss of life amid Russia's major bombing campaign. The majority of attacks have been focused in the capital city of Kyiv, where Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is currently based. Russian President Vladimir Putin is prepared to resume talks with Ukraine tonight in bid to end war, according to a Kremlin spokesperson. We hope that you have enjoyed our podcast we thank you for your support. We hope to see you again next time.